Can we start a lot of shows by saying, well, well, well? Probably. Look who's here again. It's the audience. Oh, are we still recording? I, I thought for like 10 seconds you were like, I can't do that. No, I'm, I'm steering into that skid. How come every time I steer into this skid, it's, Hunter, you ruin everything, I Hunter, hate you. a lot of the skids that you steer into aren't so much skids as, um... Parking the car on... Wait, uh-huh. hold on. We have to stop right now. I was going to say parking the car on train tracks and waiting for something to show up. Yes. Uh, we are behind a car right now that has the greatest bumper sticker of all time. It's a presidential-style bumper sticker, red, white, and blue. And for the candidate names, it's Holland Oats. Holland Oats! <laughs> it's so great. That's pretty good. I have it as... Do you even know who that watching is? watching Russia... Yeah. Who? That's the that band I was just singing. No, Hall- no, no, no. Ho- Hall and Oates. Do you know who those who they are? Yeah. For 2020. Daryl Hall and John Oates. You actually know who's running for... It, it's a joke, Hunter. Oh! Now it, I'm in on it. It's an old 80s band. <laughs> got it. Got it. Got they, it. Got they it. Got it. Got it. Got it. They do a... I thought it was just lost a... That love and feeling. Sorry. I thought it was just a very happy coincidence. I was like racking my brain trying to remember who it was but now yeah. I'm in on the joke no, so yeah. this is fun she's a rich girl gone too far cause you know it don't matter anyway hey I'll tell you something okay. Hall & Oates the official Hall & Oates page uh-huh. liked liked a photo of my band playing oh, really? the other day yeah that's pretty cool it was my greatest achievement well that's a bad life yep it, <laughs> it was pretty cool though I love Hall & Oates right um, okay anyway let's get back on the track okay Hunter. here we are yeah we are currently recording an episode of Carl Pooling. That's right. It is a show that comes to you live from the live when it's inner recorded. sanctum of a moving live live when it's recorded. <laughs> that comes to you from the inner sanctum of a moving Honda Civic. It's a beautiful Sunday morning here in uh, Mind Your Own Business. Apparently, Redacted. Apparently we've said where we live on the show before. That's great. I don't really uh, care. So, at me. But... At any rate, I want to. I want to keep doing it. Like I want people to finally piece it together, but I still want to deny it with my very soul. Like <laughs> I'm never gonna. No matter even if I just said I live in redacted. Like that, I live I, under the space needle. Right. Exactly. See if you can put the hints together. <laughs> exactly. Like still would never ever admit to it, even if someone walked up to me while I was there. But yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um. But it's a show that we record. It's about religion, philosophy, politics, science. All the things that you don't know crap about, you worthless sack. Wow. So, um, and we got a big, big show today with uh, with some announcements. Really looking forward to it. At any rate, yeah. Hunter, mm-hmm. give us the roadkill. So, for the roadkill for this week is Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. The roadkill machine. Does not understand what indentured servitude is. Hunter. Yeah. Before we get into it, please give a working definition of indentured servitude. It's like, hey, I would really, really, really love to go to America, but I'm poor. You're pretty rich. What about I work for you for seven years for nothing, and you just take me there? Yep. Indentured servitude. It's like trading your working uh, years away for no wage. Essentially working for free, but you're getting something out of it. You're getting some major thing that you could never purchase out of it. Uh, sometimes that's like land, 
Sometimes that's uh, travel. Sometimes but it's, a, it's just to have some place to go and to be taken care of. Right. Sometimes you know? it's like, I can't really take care of myself. I will be your servant. So. And I'll say that that system doesn't make a whole lot of sense in 2019. No, no. But it was an old school thing. I will also say that it's not always bad. It's I don't always think it's a bad setup. I think that sometimes people need, you know just need a place to stay and a place to be and sometimes that was because there was other social forces at play that were bad right you know but um i you don't can think of some pretty non problematic situations that this could arise you want to go to america because you want your family to have a better life you're willing to trade seven years of hard labor to give your kids that opportunity and in that kind of way it's, it's, good it's more like a loan you know so, right at any rate not always bad not it's like a definitely loan. not always good right um but at any rate Enter AOC, the gaff maker. <laughs> so she was sitting with some waitresses, and a she, okay, so like a, for a publicity for a publicity stunt, she went back to bartend for a day. Right, right, which is fantastic. And she was talking with these waitresses and just saying that their two dollar and fifty cent whatever it is hourly rate was akin to indentured servitude. Right. So we've misunderstood indentured servitude off the bat. Right. For two reasons. First reason is because nowhere in America does has not at will employment. No establishment you can walk into. Yep. Um, so no one's forcing you to do that. But even indentured servitude technically isn't enforced. Right. Well, it's, right. it's contractual, right? Yes. It's I will do this for this. You, you can leave whenever you want. You can leave your job at the behind the bar at Chili's anytime. Correct. Second, you're getting a wage. <laughs> you're Even actually if getting it's two dollars and thirteen cents. That's not indentured servitude, dummy. Nope. Okay, and then the most probably the most prescient thing that she might have left out. Tips? Tips. I mean, Is it like, tips? You can argue about whether or not you like the tip system or you wish there was a flat rate or they, they were employee, true employees of the restaurant. You know, you can talk about all of that. But here's the truth. There are people that in my friend group that can pull 350 down in a night. Easy. Bartending or serving. Yeah. For tips. And I, That's a fantastic job. Yes. And they're drunk the whole time. Yes. What's not to love, gang? It's, it's so great. They'll even grab your butt. Yeah. And, but I, I think... I think all I, like I think if she had a problem with the way they were paid, that's actually something I would have listened to because oh, like, sure. because I have like I have a whole host of problems with tipping and just that whole economy itself that just grinds my gears. But, but that's a separate issue. That's a separate issue to the to like them choosing that position because it's the only thing that's available to them and they're being like not getting paid well enough from that hourly wage. Like, that, it's completely separate, but... And I'll also say this. Some of the, like, fantastic bartenders, uh, waiters and waitresses, I doubt they would make as much money if they were direct employees of the restaurant. Absolutely not. I, I, I seriously doubt it. So, uh, you know, I got thoughts both ways on that one. I, I, I understand what you're saying. I think for... Well, we don't want to go down this road too far, but I think, like, for, like, the top 20% uh restaurant staff it's a fantastic system sure. for the bottom 80 percent it's not great and for me as the person that has to support that it sucks i, I that's, understand. that's I understand how i too. feel about it yeah. here's the other thing i would say yep. is that in a certain way if it sucks tough it is literally a zero skill requirement job i yes. mean the, there's nice restaurants and can you nice take waiters. this plate and put it over there right and there's very there's very uh efficient 
creative bartenders, like there are niche, but for the vast majority of people in the service industry, it is literally you, um, you show up and you start doing it. And that's not to, I'm not looking down my nose at that at all. Sure. Um, I, I think that I, I know some people, well, uh, in one of our debates, my, uh, my buddy was talking about how he's continuing being in the service industry because he makes more money that way and you can make a lot of money that way. And if you're making a lot of money that way, probably doing a damn fine job so more power to you yeah man. it's not not looking my nose down that at all but you know the <laughs> it's truth, not an injured servitude you do have to differentiate yourself a little bit because it is it is uh, anybody can get in the door right so, yeah that being said yeah not indentured servitude lady these people make good money especially if they work hard and the fact that especially you, if they work hard that incentive structure is at least in place yeah and, and here's here's the thing you think, why would anyone make such a gaffe? Why would anybody want to uh, say something so utterly incoherent? Mm. What's your next point? This is why we have to raise the minimum wage to $15. Right. Gotcha. Okay, so what we're doing here is we're, we're uh, exaggerating a problem. Yep. Relating it to another another system that definitely was abused but wasn't isn't inherently evil. And then using that to suggest that we have to steal power from private businesses and redistribute wealth. And it's not perfect. It's not clear to me that adding in a minimum wage of $15 would change the hourly wage that the, that individual in the restaurant is being paid. Like, you know, there is a minimum wage and guess what? Restaurant staff is not paid that because there's a tipping system that's in place there to sub- support it and that's how the agreement works legally, you know. Like, it's a different type of relationship that person has with the restaurant than the uh, the minimum wage employee that doesn't receive tips. And another thing that Alexandria Ocasio Astacio Cortez might not understand is that if you don't report tips sufficient to meet that hourly minimum, the restaurant ups your check. So this is also true. Um, so if you're listening and you're in the service industry and they're not, uh, they're they're robbing from you. But also, how are you making less than five dollars an hour in tips? Yeah. Uh, you pathetic, worthless scum. Wow. So, anyhow, wow. Um, I think enough about that. Yeah, uh, sure. Let's jump into the meat this week. And uh, as we kind of promised on the last episode, we are going to talk Georgia-Alabama abortion bills. Yeah. Well, yeah. This is... Um, um, do we want to start with Georgia or Alabama? Georgia. All right. Georgia. I feel like Georgia actually has the most... Like, I feel like Alabama's law is kind of has the least interesting stuff to say because it is so straightforward. Well, why don't, why don't we just get that one out of the way then? Yeah, so ba- basically Alabama's law is no abortion at any time whatsoever. Rape or incest not a, not allowed any time. And, and you, just to be clear, you read the full text of the Alabama bill, correct? Yes. That's I've how read, we divided and conquered this week. Yes. You read the Alabama bill, I read the Georgia bill. And the Alabama bill is very, very, very clear that no abortion is allowed. The only type of abortion that is now allowed in Alabama is one that threatens the life of the mother, uh, what they call a serious health risk in the bill, not one that is an emotionally health-related, unless it's confirmed by a psychiatrist that the emotional health will cause the mother to either harm herself or harm the baby. See, that's an interesting difference between the Georgia and the Alabama bill right there. It is. Now, it has to be it has to be by a lic- uh, an Alabama licensed psychiatrist, so I imagine there's something in there that they probably have their hands on a little bit given how strict the bill is itself. Sure. But yeah, and so basically 
no matter what, you cannot get an abortion in Alabama. However, um, so... And that's from point of conception. That's from point of conception. Like, once, once there's a zygote, it's over. That's a baby as far as Alabama law is concerned. Um, the, the other thing that's kind of interesting about it as well is it clearly explicitly states despite of what you may have heard that the woman under this type of law can never ever ever be held responsible for it the only person that can get held responsible under this new provision is the physician that either attempts to perform an abortion or a or a physician that performs an abortion right uh Attempting is a class C, which is up to 10 years in prison, or 1 to 10. And then a uh, actually performing is a class A, which is 99 years in prison. Uh, right. Or so, life. And, and let me ask you this, because I didn't read the bill. There, sure. In the Georgia bill, there's specific sections that update the, the effective definition of personhood in mm-hmm. several parts of the Georgia Code. Mm-hmm. Um, was, Alabama was there does something similar, different. similar language in Alabama's bill to that? No, Alabama just basically... I, I don't know if Alabama defines personhood in its laws because it just wasn't referenced in the bill. But what they did say is any other bills relating to abortion that are in conflict with this bill are now null and void. Or, they didn't, or, yeah, they the, didn't list what those were. They just said they're all null and void no matter what. The, this there's is the a, text. There's a, a perfectly similar clause in at the end of the Georgia bill. Gotcha. Um, okay. Uh, that says, you know, any laws in conflict with this law are repealed. Right. So I, I think I think two things. One, the bill is probably the strictest abortion uh, law in the United States at this point. Sure. Um, the other thing is, and I think that creates some problems for Alabama, which I'll come back to. But the other thing is one huge lie I think you're hearing right now about these laws is that they could, in fact, punish the mother. Um, I don't know if there's some weird way people are going to work that in backwards, but explicitly stated in the law, it's saying, nope, that is not the intention of the bill. That is not what it's going to do. The only person capable of receiving punishment and the only punishment defined is that of the person who administers the abortion. The abortionist. Yes. And and that's... uh, People were making this bizarre case because the the Georgia bill redefines personhood to include pre-birth people. Mm -hmm. And so they were using that to basically say that uh, killing the baby would be murder then under Georgia Code, and then Georgia Code would would, uh, penalize you with, you know, whatever homicide charge would be applicable. Okay. Uh, And that... Like conspiracy to murder. Right. You you chose to get an abortion. You are a part of the murder of this person. Or if you self-abort. Okay. However, enough. the problem is that the the that's not how Georgia Code is organized. So the way that Georgia Code is organized is that that you have a code section that enumerates the punishment, basically. Like this is the penalty for breaking this code section. And they'll say anyone found guilty, like uh, in in the Georgia specifically, it's tw- I think it's uh, uh, is it I think it's one forty twelve. Mm, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up real fast. Okay. Uh, just to be explicit, so you guys can. While you're going through that, um, the other thing I think that is just interesting from the Alabama side is that because the law is such an explicit like nope no abortion forever, I think it has to get taken up by the Supreme Court, and I think it probably gets knocked down at that point. Um, we can come back to that, but that's the last real thing I have to say about that. 
but because I, I I do not think the Supreme Court justices are set up at this point to uh, overturn Roe v. Wade. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Um, so we can talk about the strategy of the bill, but I will say one thing about the the Alabama bill. It is the most consistent. It it's extremely consistent. A, and there's something there's something elegant about that, uh, even from a place like Alabama. <laughs> um, I I have some personal issues with the idea that you can't get an abortion in the instance of rape and incest. I struggle with that point because, like I, uh, you'll hear later in our debates, I think that I think that our laws are basically set up in such a way to make you responsible for your actions, and that's important. In this case, that's the price of freedom, right? And in this case the woman involved in a, in a rape or incest situation that gets pregnant should have worn that skirt. Oh my gosh. <laughs> joke. Get out of the car. It's a joke. Um, <laughs> but they, they, they're being forced to be responsible for somebody else's actions, not their own. Correct. And I do see a legal sticking point there. Yeah. Um, however, the other truth is that just because something bad happens to you doesn't mean you get to do something bad to someone else. Right. You know? Yeah. And and if we're going to define life in such a way that life begins at conception, which I think is the proper line, then it's really hard to say, hey, you know, somebody raped you, so you're allowed to murder now. It's like, if somebody um, if somebody killed your husband, are you justified in taking their life? Right. Well, sure you are. Absolutely, but should you? You know, and the, and that's a that's a really hard question. I don't know if there's a really clean cut answer there. Uh, it's like definitely the state should probably the state should probably kill that person, but definitely not use a personal vengeance. It's like these stories where like somebody rapes somebody's daughter, and then the dad goes and kills that person, and a society claps. Right. You know, because we're, we're all like, happy about we're that. We're like precisely. Yeah. Um, but. Is that the right thing to do? Is that the legal system that we want to operate under? Yeah. Um, it's hard to say. Yeah. Uh, vigilante justice is extremely dangerous. It's almost not a legal question in my mind. It's more of a morality question. I don't think we're prepared as a society to answer it right now. Right. And, and to be clear, everyone, it is a, it is a human-centric moral argument, not a religious moral argument. Yes. The, the religious moral argument's pretty freaking clear on what, what to do. Don't. As far as forgiveness is concerned. Yep. Okay, so, but the, but the way, it's uh, section 1214, uh, 1612-140. So, 1612-140, it's really short, I'll read it in its entirety. A person commits the offense of criminal abortion when, in violation of code section 1612-141, he or she administers any medicine, drugs, or other substance, whatever, to any woman, or when he or she uses an instrument or other means, whatever, upon any woman with intent to produce a miscarriage or abortion. Section B, a person convicted of the offense of criminal abortion shall be punished by imprisonment for not less than one nor more than ten years. So that's that's code section 140. So that's the section you'd be charged with. Yep. Now you're charged with section 140 in violation of section 141. And section 141 is where the vast majority of the updates in the Georgia Heartbeat Bill took place because we enumerate the the broad stroke crime that we are that we will charge you with. And then we say in violation of this code section, and that's where you get into the minutia and the details regarding how you violate that code. So the only co the code that was updated, the criminal code that was updated, is section 141. And so 141, if you break that, if you violate 
141, you'll be charged with 140. And 140 enumerates the the charge or the punishment at one to ten years. So this idea that we're going to jail women for murder because they broke code section 141 just simply isn't true. That's not how Georgia code is set up. Got it. Now we did update parts of the, the like the Georgia code that goes into the general rights of citizens of Georgia to update that to include uh, children, but that's not how the that's that's not where the criminal code takes place. That's that's more of a a ethical philosophical enumeration of rights as opposed to a chargeable criminal code section. Right, kind of like where the Alabama bill will talk about what constitutes saying that extreme mental health will allow for an or extreme health conditions will allow for an abortion and then goes on to define exactly what those extreme health conditions are. That's like, right. It's it sounds you know you're like, "Well, what does that mean when you first read it?" But once you dig into the details, it actually presents like, "Oh, this is actually pretty limiting." Um yeah, that makes sense. Sure. So, let's so, so one other thing I want to say. Um, so people are like, well, you could still charge the woman with violation of code section 140 criminal abortion for one to 10 years. Mm-hmm. That's not true either. Right. The Georgia Court of Appe- Appeals in a case called Hillman v. State has already ruled that because of the way that criminal code section 140 is written, it is written in the third person talking about a third party. Yes. So it's not talking it, it's, and it's already been decided by the Georgia Court of Appeals. So this it's precedent. Is, this is precedent that you cannot charge uh, the woman for code section 140. Yep. So I say that to say all of this nonsense that you've been hearing about the fact that that women in either state could be charged for abortion is simply not true. When you actually pour into the statutes and actually do uh, what I would consider the the bare minimum level of research to have an opinion on this topic, right. it falls apart immediately. So we have we have the specific statutes as well as court cases that we have we have the statutes themselves as well as specific court cases that clearly lay out that that is completely completely nonsense okay it's completely bunk you cannot the woman cannot be charged legally in either of these states and i'm no lawyer but i can read the law well enough to know that it's cut and dry especially in the case of alabama Mm -hmm. it takes a little bit more digging for the georgia bill but not that much not that much is what i'm saying so right the, the fear-mongering that's being attempted by the media here really is disturbing. Yeah. Uh, that they, that you know, they can... It sounds like someone just went onto Twitter, saw what some other people were saying, looked at the bill for maybe half a minute, and then was like, oh, I guess it's true, and then wrote an article about it. That's exactly what, that's exactly what it sounds like. And, and that's a problem, because, you know, we're, we're not journalists in a lot of ways, nope. and we're not lawyers, but... It's not. It was so easy to find this information. It's not hard, and so it, it's frustrating that the the media is willing to push such an obvious mischaracterization of the laws to incite this anger and to incite this fear. And so I, I say that to it's say easy to do that when you feel morally justified. It, absolutely. Oh, I say and I say that to say examine the motives then. Yeah. And when when someone is obfuscating 
information, especially when it's their job to provide that information, examine the motives. I think that it's clear that the motives of the media are far from benevolent. I do not think they're in the best interest of the American people at this point. Someone asked me once, like, how how could I say what what I was saying was my what I what I was saying was truth rather than my opinion. And I said, well, the difference is because in light of new information, I change my mind. So what's right is because I have a bias. I come to the conversation with a bias. And then it's like when that bias is presented with information that doesn't support it, I reexamine that bias, you know. And so as long as I continue to not hold to the bias but hold to the what's true, then, I'm, then I go back and forth and I can update myself on what's correct about the universe but when someone just goes into a situation and goes well what is my team saying and then repeats what my team's saying when it's clearly obviously not thought through well then it just shows that you're you're you are possessed by your ideology Ex- yes exactly and so and you're more concerned you're more concerned with points mm-hmm. be they debate points talking points than you are with the truth or you, or and I think really in the media's case is there there's a value to putting out information regardless if it's true because it just gives you something to point to and say well this outlet that I rely on to do, to give me talking points said x and you should go and read it because you don't know what you're talking about e- even more than that there's not just a value to putting out information regardless of when it's true mm-hmm. there's a value to being bombastic Sure. Because you're making stories out of non-stories. Yes, exactly. Um, anyhow, uh, very disappointed in the media in general mm. in their regards to their coverage of these topics. Yeah. Uh, let So let's keep going through the Georgia Code then, because there was a couple sections revised. I've talked about a few of them, but we'll talk about the specific changes to 141. Yeah. Which is, like I said, the detailed portion that you can violate to therefore be charged with Section 140. Um, they... They redefine the definition of an acceptable abortion to effectively say an abortion where there cannot be a heartbeat detected. They also make it a requirement that prior to the abortion that a attempt to detect that heartbeat takes place. Uh, they mention that it's about six weeks, but really the line is a heartbeat. Got it. And so uh, they... they update a bunch of legalese in that section to say, you know, the doctor has to detect for a heartbeat, the physician has to report that information, uh, all of that. So there's a bunch of a bunch of kind of copy-paste editing throughout that section. But that's the, that's the broad sweep of it. Got it. And they also updated the uh, the Georgia homicide, the double homicide code, which is basically where you might commit you might murder a woman who is pregnant and you'll be charged with multiple homicides. Um, so they updated that with some of the language from the from the first part that they updated, which is where they were redefining, you know, a life in Georgia and a citizen in Georgia and someone who's deserving of rights. Got it. Uh, so basically kind of did the opposite of what New York did a couple months ago. In a lot of ways. They moved away from the, from like the language of a fetus Mm. and moved into the language of an unborn person in that way. Gotcha. Uh, And and I will say also in that code, there's a clause in that code that's extremely important, especially to the topic we were just making, it's talking about. It says that nothing in this code section is to be construed to allow the prosecution of a woman uh, who terminates her own pregnancy. Says that directly in the code. 
Oh, so that's it, in the, that's in the double homicide code. So it literally says in the double homicide code that it can never ever see. And that yeah, that makes sense because well, one thing is like if you were writing this law, the first thing that you would probably think about if you actually care about the woman is how can we make sure that this doesn't affect them. Right, because they're right. the person that has to take on at least the baby or something like that. And they're not the person carrying out the action either. You know, and doctors can say a lot of things that can be misleading or mischaracterizing just to, you know, to perform an operation. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, like, I think I wore braces for 17 years. <laughs> I don't think I needed them that long. You didn't. <laughs> uh, but my point there being is just the fact that, like, um, it, one, there was precedent that protected this. But two, explicitly stating and also writing the penal code correctly. I mean, like, they did their homework. They made, they dotted their I's, they crossed their T's. Right. And people didn't bother to look. Right. And it, it's, the, the heartbeat bill, full disclosure, it's only ten pages long, gang. Yeah. Like, and, and I read Alabama's the, is eight. <laughs> yeah, well, I read, that only talks about the code sections that... The, up, the updates to the specific sections that are being changed. So I went back and read a little bit of the surrounding code as well, which was a bit more. Mm. But still, it's not that hard. No, it's, it's not. It's very simple. And it's on government websites. Yes, um, it's public information. Okay, so I think the folks understand. Oh, I will say there's a couple interesting parts in 141 that uh, differ from the Alabama bill that we should talk about. Okay. There is a specific clause that waives, that, uh, waives the penalty in 141 in cases of rape or incest. So okay. That is in the code. Okay. And is there a limit given to rape and incest? Like how long it can like it are can you have an abortion up to 24 months or is it at any time if you've been raped or inc- or incest? I don't want that to be a verb. I don't is want that it a to verb? Be a, I hope you it just isn't. used it as a verb. I did, but I I didn't like it. Um I believe the victim of incest. I believe that the old standards apply. I'm not positive. I want to be clear with okay. the audience. I'm not positive. I there's, believe, a, there's another time frame. I believe that the old time frame applies. Got it. Because of the way that they they repealed sections of the text. I see what you're saying. Um, but I, I'm not positive. Okay. However, I know that the penalty is, or, or the time frame is wider for rape and incest cases. Fair enough. The only thing with a rape and incest case, and this is not to diminish the trauma that those things inflict upon a person but that is a time where that that is probably the time when you're most likely to know before six weeks you know sure you would go get tested yeah. you would go check yourself yeah um, no doubt so anyhow um or or you should and if you don't women you are far more deserving and you should have more self-love than that respect yourself enough to go get exactly checked yep. um People, I think that's one thing is people, some, and I made a callous comment earlier as a joke, but there's a lot of guilt associated with rape and incest. Yes. And it's absolutely, completely undeserved. And it's, 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 if people, if that's you and you need to tell someone because you need to, you need to make sure that you're okay, that you're taken care of and there's nothing wrong, go right now. If anyone treats you with any disrespect, which they won't. They're a horrible person. You need to separate your life from them. But you are not responsible for anything like that at all that happened to you. And you need to get help. I completely agree. And, you know, I was having a conversation with someone just last night, actually, about um, some people that were misusing them. Mm. And and, uh, 
abusing them in a certain way. And part of the part of the conversation was about how this person was defending those people, which right. I, I found really peculiar. Right. And I was like, what is it about your brain that wants you to defend the actions of these people? And, and you know, they were, they were explaining that thought process to me. And basically, they told me two stories. And in both of those stories, it was very clear. They said, no, I don't want this. Then the other person basically made a statement directly that was, okay, but how can I still get this? Like, I hear that you don't want this, and I'm going to instantly try and undermine your goals and objectives. Mm. And the, and that led to them getting what the other person wanted. Mm. You know, Do you understand what I'm saying? I'm trying yes. to not give any details. Sure. Uh, but the point is that that it, it, when you look at it analytically, it's very clear. You're like, respect this. And they go, I don't respect that. And then they manipulate you. Mm. So, and, and But what we got, what, why it pins back to what we were talking about here is because I was like, there's a couple reasons, so you're not taking care of yourself here. And there's a couple reasons that you're not taking care of yourself. There's a couple re- reasons in general why people don't take care of themselves. Either they don't understand what, what they're doing and how it's dangerous, and that's very few people because because if you sit down long enough to think about what what's going on, if you spend that much time with yourself, and it's not very much time, you'll figure out that what you're doing is dangerous. The other one is that they're addicted to danger. You know, and these this is typically men uh, that we're just adrenaline junkies, and that's why we do things that are dangerous and don't don't we don't treat ourselves like we're taking care of ourselves. And the third one, and by far the most common, is that we we have a a incredible yet subterfugious amount of self hatred and self doubt and. The, like Jordan Peterson talks about it in the second chapter of his book. Treat yourself like someone that you're responsible for taking care of. And he, he mentions this story in the beginning, this, uh, this you know, uh, evidentiary-laced tale that we better medicate our dogs than we do ourselves. And because we're responsible for taking care of them, but we're also responsible for taking care of ourselves. But we have so much self-loathing that we won't even medicate ourselves properly Mm. and and that's it's kind of crazy to think about but i mean i know i have at times not taken my medicine too you know (laughs) yeah it's it's why i would never let anyone else do that i would never let anyone i cared for not medicate themselves you know right but we'll do it to ourselves and there's a there's a surprising amount of self-loathing in the human condition and and you should think about that and address it but what i'm saying is that you, you know, you could say, well, I just didn't understand it was dangerous. No, you knew it was dangerous. You just weren't willing to be alone with yourself and look in the mirror for long enough because you don't like what you see. And there, and when people manipulate you, that that's what this person was said. When we finally got to the root of the issue, I was like, these people are manipulating you. Why are you defending them? And they said, because I don't want to deal with it and I don't want to feel stupid. And so that's, that's what I'm saying. They're, they've, people that would do that to you are undermining your self-worth in such a fundamental way that it makes sense that you wouldn't want to be self-critical about it. Right. But you you have to break yourself out of that lie. Yep. You're not responsible and you're worth so much more than that person is treating you. Mm. Um, you have to break yourself out of that lie and be willing to look at the ugly stuff long enough in the mirror so that you can accept it, incorporate it, and 
defeat it. And you, you have to do that by looking into the abyss. It's the only way that that happens. And then when the next time that comes up, when the next time that starts, it won't happen to you because you're vigilant and you know what the problem is and you know exactly what it looks like. Anyway, that's kind of a tangent, but I hope it was a fruitful one. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of lemons on that tangent. <laughs> okay, what an interesting fruitful joke you've made. I, I didn't. I realized I picked. You lemon. picked the worst. Fruit. I picked the worst fruit. Like who was eating lemon? It's disgusting. You put that in water where it belongs. The one other interesting difference between the two bills uh-huh. is that there is a similar clause that uh, you know the health of the woman clause, mm. and in the Georgia Code there is a carte blanche, no emotional psychological. Uh, health. Interesting. Just not going to deal with it. So it actually is, it's, it's actually less extreme than Alabama. Well, I'm no, sorry, it's more extreme. It's more, Excuse me. more restrictive than Alabama's bill in that way. Interesting. Okay, yeah. So there is no, like, ah, uh, yeah, but this person might kill themselves, so we're going to let it slide. That, yeah, that's not acceptable under the Georgia Code. Interesting. Which, okay. But I think that might work out, because because there is a time limit where you can get one legally. If that sort of makes sense. So if you are the person who would have mental health issues with having a child, you should be vigilant. Yeah. Is the answer, right? If you live in Georgia. But, yeah, I I don't know. I'm not sure I... I'm not sure... Hmm. Depression is real. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to determine which one's more extreme. I don't really care about which one from a perspective. I'm just saying it's so ambiguous. Yeah, it is. Also. Yeah. And so... That's that makes problems legally, you know. Mm-hmm. It's because, difficult to determine because it is subjective, yeah. or at least it can be interpreted subje- subjectively. Right. At least in Georgia, it's not. A, it's it's very clear that it's not a thing. Right. And so yeah. in Alabama, you might actually see a lot of people attempt and, to say like, "I'm going to kill myself. I need an abortion." Right. You you definitely could, and and you could definitely see a world where there would be licensed psychologists and psychiatrists that enable that type of behavior. Right. Exactly. Um, so, anyhow. Um, that I think that's all the major differences between the two bills. Right. The one thing I'll say about both the bills is that I like them. Sure. On a yeah. moral level, I like them because Absolutely. it. And I talk about this a bunch in the debates. I know I've referenced the debates several times. I'll talk to you more about that at the end of the show. But, mm-hmm. but they they put responsibility back into the system. We're responsible for our actions again. Right. And I think that is a, a wonderful thing. For multiple reasons, not the least of which is that by being responsible for your own actions, you will become the kind of person that can accept the malevolence of life and move forward and grow and be stronger and be an effective person. Um, I think it's critical. And, and that the fact that we are so ready to get rid of that is... I think it's it's damaging. You know, we're saying we're doing this for women, but women don't need abortions. Women need to be strong. Well, I think, and men need the same thing. I think that's the that's the consequence of excess. Absolutely, it absolutely. Because is. what happens when you? Because like when you're a poor farmer, and you know there's food on the table. That's the food, and you're gonna eat that food because that's the food you have to eat. It's it's not a it's not a question. Do you want to live? Yes or no? Okay. Well, then here's food. Eat it. Right. Well, when you're a king, what do you want? You can take anything from any of the farmers you want as tithe. So if this guy's got pig, you're eating pig if you want it. This guy's got cow, you're eating cow if you want it. You can have whatever you want. And so like, what color do you want your iPhone? 
Yeah. You know, what color do you want your car? How fast do you want it to go? You know, where do you want to live? How do you want to live? Like, there's so many things that we can pick and choose. And the thing that's so easy that kind of slips into that radar then becomes is like, ah, I really don't want it that way. Can I have it like this? Yeah. And then what that question leads to moral failings. And they're not obvious at first, but if you pay attention to yourself when you ask that question, you'll begin to notice the things where you're like, you're putting undo you're doing things that you do, that you dislike about yourself yes like, you'll, you'll so, enable the worst of your own behavior right exactly and so like sometimes it's just better to suck it up and accept what comes your way yeah. because that's actually it, it's it's just more mature but like you know anyway and i think it's, it's, it's a thing adults do it, like adult adults don't complain about what's put in front of them they accept well it. a lot of them do now well our generation sucks sure and um, so but you, know, you can treat un- you shouldn't be able to treat a, a life in that same carelessness and I, I think even some people understand this because given the option to put a spider outside of your home or put a spider or keep a spider inside your home some of us will choose to uh release the spider as uh humanely as possible interesting phrase Sure. So. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. That's that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I I want to talk more about that, but there's so much content in the debates where I kind of enumerate my sure. my position on why responsibility is king and how people are responsible. I, just go listen to those. And I think Hunter, you probably agree with most. I don't want to put you in a, bo- a I box. I disagree with all of it. But I think you probably agree with most of it. Sure. Um, so anyway. So listen to that if you want more of that conversation, uh, which I think they were great conversations, and I'll talk about them in a bit. But let's briefly talk about the strategy of these bills. Yeah. Because we talked about, I, I like them, right? And I think you like them too. I do. But are they smart? Are they written well at the right time? Yeah. That's a different discussion. Um, what, do you, what do you think? I feel like yes for Georgia, okay. no for Alabama. All right, explain the difference. Well, because... Um, well, one thing, relationships are built on compromise, and relationships between states and the federal government should also be built on compromise. And so, and also, if you're going to change public opinion on something, the, the smart strategy would be to push the goalpost slowly, incrementally, incrementally. And now, Georgia's—it's definitely a—it's definitely a push. Like, don't get me wrong, but it's definitely an incremental push, if that sort of makes sense. It's not an outright ban. It's not an outright, uh, what's the word for it? Um, it's not outright allowed. Like the the pro-choice and pro-life movement are not getting what they want out of this bill. And also the 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 strongest arguments for the pro-choice crowd, as weak as they are, are left untouched. Right. Being rape, incest, and health of the mother. Right. Uh, we're talking about less than 5% of abortions there. Yeah. All of those combined. Yeah. But, but still. Um, but still. Actually, less than 4% yep. uh, with the Guttmacher research numbers. And I, I I, think what you will... I think there's some... I think there's, you know, like six weeks is not a lot of time, which is when you can start to detect a fetal heartbeat, and it, depend, and it, it depends also how they're detecting that heartbeat. Right. Uh, if it's ultrasound, it's eight weeks. You sure. know, if it's... Uh, uh, what is the proper term for it? In utero, for lack of a better way, they can de- they can detect that at six weeks, um, using some kind of device to actually go in and detect the baby's heartbeat. Sure. Um, so, but some my kind of endoscopy. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm not sure what it would be called. I just know that it's a possibility. Um, but but my point being is that you know what you would probably see, I would imagine, is people that 
wanted to get abortions in Georgia being very, very, very on top of their pregnancy testing. You know, like that, that seems to be, to, to be the consequence of that short timeline. Um, but, but still, I, Taking a little responsibility, maybe. Taking a little bit more responsibility over your sexual life, if nothing else. Which I think we all kind of want, regardless. Yeah. Which just is... Well, we could talk about how broken sex is in this day That's and a whole age, other but... thing. That's a whole other thing. Yeah. But, but my point being is just... It's a it's a big move. I don't want to I don't want to because it's obviously shaking up things. But New York was a big move too. Huge move. And I think and I I think that makes it appropriate. And I also think it's a I also think in the wake of a lot of states doing this, Georgia probably has the the best ability to keep their law uh, as it is. That, um, I'm I, sure there will be legislation that comes up against it. Um, in court, definitely going to be challenges it, that will either who knows where it'll get taken to, um, but like I don't think it's as at risk as the Alabama law. Right. Well, the Alabama law pretty much is pretty much going to get slapped down by Roe v. Wade immediately. Yeah, because you have to have abortions available in your state. And so the problem is that it it appears that they're making a run to overturn Roe v. Wade entirely. Correct. And based on the current the current mixture of the Supreme Court and honestly Justice Kavanaugh's disappointing decision making mm. uh, it doesn't look like that's possible yeah uh, it doesn't look like that's they're gonna repeal it part uh, you know in whole maybe part and parcel so maybe Georgia also still there, there's makes an a argument that if Ka- Kavanaugh acts as a and I don't think he ever was going to but if Kavanaugh was to act as a very extreme conservative uh, justice. It could just be that his entire legacy, if it's not already diminished, we don't know, but could just be caught up as partisan. And, you know, some of his decisions may be based off of that, but I also don't think he was a very conservative justice before then. So. No, I don't think so either. Uh, judge, definitely wasn't me. my choice, which we said. Oh, that, that might have been before we started releasing episodes. I think it was. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was. Anyhow, it definitely wasn't my top choice. Mm. Uh, so I, I agree with everything you said. I think that the uh, Alabama bill is specifically written to challenge Roe v. Wade and not to be enacted. Right. And I I think that might be a tactical error because I don't think that they they took the temperature of the Supreme Court correctly. And Alabama, this is not the first time they've done this. Um, they There was a previous law they had on the books, and it, it, it was written in such a way, it was for, um, if you were under 18, you had to have a parent present or a guardian present, or it might have been 21, to, like, sign off on your abortion, right? Sure. Um, and the language in that bill was, we need the Supreme Court to rule on this bill because we are unsure of how to handle this, uh, unsure of how to handle this. I can't remember the exact um, code or anything like that, but the point being is, like, it's not the first time Alabama's, like, taken something to the Supreme Court on abortion before to basically force the Supreme Court into ruling on it. And that's what it appears it's going to happen. And I feel like it's going to get struck down, and then Alabama's actually going to get less out of the deal, and it's going to go back to whatever it was previously. However, so. Georgia, on the other hand, I feel like has a chance of, at bumping row. Um, I feel like they have a chance of at least revising parts of that decision. Sure. It's one of the most poorly decided cases of all time. It used the, what is it, the... Uh, procedural justice method basically for um for enacting its ruling and additionally which is the same the same type of uh legislative decision that happened in dred scott for instance 
which effectively said black people aren't people and you have to return them to their slave owners when they escape. Hmm. So I don't, you know, the argument from authority there is not really very strong for me. Sure. Uh, I think that Georgia, I'm right there with you. I think that Georgia Bill is a really good, well-written bill. And I think the most important parts of that are redefining the parts at the beginning that redefine the definition of life. Because those parts are so well-written. They talk about uh, the science and how it's better now than it was when we decided Roe specifically. That's interesting. I didn't know that. And why the standard that's used for post-birth life is important to examine pre-birth life. Mm. I think it's really well written and that it it truly does make a constitutional challenge Good. to the ideas that are espoused in Roe. So I'm, uh, I'm hopeful for that one. I think we're I, finally at the point in our history where we can actually do that. Where I, like... We know enough about, and we we know enough about fetal development, and we know enough about how to preserve life of uh, early delivered babies that it's finally becoming more and more clear that we we kind of got this one wrong. Yeah. And I think, at least in America, definitely not in other parts of the Western world, there is a battle being ha- had in some conservative states to return or to to, to put limits on. Um, to put limits on, uh, um, put limits on Roe, essentially. Sure. Yeah. And, and, Which is good. And here's, I'll just, we could say this and maybe close. The the thing that's so important about that language in the Georgia bill is that we do need a redefinition of the terms of life legally. We yeah. do need protection for unborn citizens of this country legally. And the, and that's not, that's not derivative from any animosity towards women. I think we've been clear before, and we've been clear on this episode, that we care deeply about women and their struggles. Yeah. Um, I personally love women. I don't want bad things to happen to them any more than the next guy. Right. Um, but that doesn't mean that, hey, you know what? There's a bunch of women that get aborted too. And so in the end state, the reason that we need a challenge to row is because we need to change that definition of life. We need to protect unborn citizens. It is our moral and legal imperative to take up that case. Right. And so I'm looking forward to uh, I'm looking forward to seeing where these laws go and if they actually reach enactment. Georgia's will take place uh, the 1st of January 2020. So we'll see. But at any rate, in that vein, uh, with all the bad media coverage and all the hot takes on social media and all the, the bad arguments the misinformation, the obvious false equivalencies uh, that that I was seeing, that I was reading, I kind of shot off at the hip a little bit. Yeah, and I think you talked about this in the last show where you basically just reached out on Facebook and said, hey, does anyone want to debate me? And you got those requests back, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And I got, I got uh, five responses. Then three people from the five said they were willing to debate when I told them the format would be audio and that we would post it. And then two of them actually followed through with the debate. The other one, interestingly enough, uh, is pregnant right now. And she's about to give birth. Oh, my goodness. Um, So, at any rate, which is phenomenal and wonderful. uh, And it's of no no weakness or cowardice on her part. But she had to back out because she's having some minor complications, I understand, with the pregnancy. And so, um, that she needed to to take the time and take care of that. So I had two debates with uh, some people that see the issue very differently than I do. 
very well-intentioned, uh, well-spoken. I will say that at the end, in my opinion, in the end of both of the debates, and I'm going to post them in their entirety, minor edits for uh, concision and clarity and some things where like the call would drop and we had to jump back in. But other than that, I'm going to post them in their entirety. Um, both of them, in my opinion, failed to give me an answer to the question, why 24 weeks, basically? Why viability? How is that any different than a post-birth human? And why are we trying to remove the responsibility from women? The end state that I would like to see is a redefinition of life and, honestly, severe punishment for men that get people pregnant and leave. Um, Child I think, support would be a cool thing to see enacted in a law. Uh, well, it is. But, but, but it not... Is for, for if you're not married? Yeah. Oh, you, yeah. It is? Yes. But, well, it's it depends on the state. But yeah. I, I don't think that those laws go far enough. And I don't think that they are, are restrictive enough. But okay. at any rate, um, it was a good debate, and uh, I want you guys to listen to them. I think that uh, the people that I was debating with were well-intentioned and did a valiant job. I also think that it's pretty clear when you listen to them that the, the pro-life side comes out on top. Uh, but have a, have a peek. And uh, I'll, we'll be posting this episode probably today on Sunday, and then I'm going to post those uh, either also today or potentially uh, early next week. We'll so, sprinkle them out. We'll sprinkle them in. Yeah. But anyway, uh, that's been Carl pulling. If you want to talk about the abortion laws, uh, there's a lot of different takes that can be had as far as the strategy, the legality, the actual wording of the bills. We'd love to hear all of your takes. Email us at carlpooling at gmail.com for that visit the website carlpooling.com to listen to episodes or better yet use the banner on the bottom to go to your favorite podcasting app and subscribe we're on spotify google play and itunes right now and uh itunes especially if you want to leave us a rating and a review huge appreciation for that uh our facebook is carl pooling podcast leave us a review there and uh like the page we just broke a hundred likes on facebook oh so my goodness congratulations that's Congratulations, cool. me. I'm very proud of myself. Yes. Uh, <laughs> follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Carl Pooling, uh, where we sometimes post pictures of us with a bunch of audio equipment in a car. Right. And, That's kind of the thing. That's uh, kind of what this show is. Yeah. You can follow Hunter personally, at Emotional Carl, on Twitter and Instagram. You can follow me, at Chris X Carl, on those same platforms. And until then... Oh, we probably should have done this at the top, but... This is in response. This episode is kind of also in response to someone who emailed in, and we talked about it last week. But shout out to Lyle for yes. asking us to go over um, this topic. Uh, we did tell you that we were going to be doing this episode later, and that you would be getting the debates there as well. But kind of wanted to just say thanks for asking us to come back and discuss this. We talked about abortion already, but thought it was a good time to come back since there's some laws in place and there's some specifics instead of morals to talk about yeah, in regards yeah, yeah. to this topic. So, and we wanted to make yeah. sure that we had our facts straight before we shot off at the hip so we weren't an ignorant Cortez reporter. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, uh, a casing. Anyhow. Yeah. Uh, until then, guys, stay safe. Get tested. Yeah. And get out of the backseat, kids. We're home.